How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi. Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Well, since our last show, uh, which of course was on Wednesday, we had a special show with the Hernando High School counselors. Uh, since that show posted, uh, we have had uh, we've got a new president. We do new president of the United States, uh, number forty-six, Joe Biden. And you know, I don't know. A lot of people have probably uh, watched it or read about it, and we're not going to spend any time here really debating sides or anything like that. Of course, we're trying to stay you know political neutral on this show. Uh, but do want to know, man, if you have seen any of the uh, the Bernie Sanders memes coming out of it. I have listeners. If you haven't seen what Bernie Sanders wore to the inauguration, it's probably the best thing to come out of the inauguration. It was really neat. No, no, I'm not saying best thing in a bad part. I'm just saying of what you saw on the inauguration day, I won't say best of. What I simply mean by that is it, it's funny. It's noticeable that Bernie Sanders went very casual to the uh, inauguration. No, he president. was warm. First of all, he was warm. Oh, he was warm now. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, I mean, he just, God bless him, you know, uh, the, the Geico commercial, turning into your parents. That's it. I mean, he wears the big mittens and, and everything, and he's wrapped up. And, of course, I've seen him from doing everything. He's been in the Fresh Prince chair. If you're waiting on something, this is what I look like type memes. Fantastic. He basically looks like every, like when you go to Funderburks or the pharmacy or anything like that, he looks like the person waiting for their prescription <laughs> when you walk in the door, the the older gentleman that's sitting there waiting for the prescription. Well, on the waiting or room. Waiting for his wife to yeah, put on for his some wife, clothes. The doctor's office. Exactly. As you're trying not to get sick yes. from everybody else in the room. That's it. Just That's kind of it. huddled up. Yeah. Google Bernie Sanders inauguration and you will have a good time. You will absolutely get a kick out of that. So is that what you look like when you watch your son play basketball? Are you huddled up or are you actually into the game? No. Getting, just getting uh, no, I mean, you know, Wilson doesn't play a ton. He doesn't get a chance to play much. But, but uh, you know, we joked about a lot on the, the podcast. Middle school in December, like I told you, Derek, they were spastic and kind of playing too fast and so forth. But I think they won about five straight now. So they may be the hottest team, I would say that they're, they're playing really good basketball a couple of games this week that they've played played really good basketball so uh, definitely looking they're playing their way into a nice spot in the tournament some people have even asked me about that they heard about the game or, or stuff on the podcast so a little shout out to them they're, they're playing uh, some pretty good basketball I mentioned just a couple minutes ago about the hernando high school counselor show uh, we got a lot of great responses from that uh, people seem to really enjoy that we do appreciate uh, those ladies coming in again uh, spending their time you know during the school we appreciate Dwayne Case for letting them come over to be interviewed uh, during school, and we just uh, thank them again. And if you haven't listened, please go back to our archive, uh, select the show on Wednesday, and if you have any questions about kids that are in high school, what they should be looking for, what they should be doing, kind of uh, their career path, or maybe maybe they're not going to college after high school, what are some uh, options and what they should be doing, please listen to that show and please share it when you can. Um, it's just a great show, and uh, we just really, again, appreciate them coming on. In DeSoto County, when you're looking around where to live, uh, schools are a very big part of that, so that's definitely something Lewisburg Hernando, DeSoto Central Schools are definitely booming. And part of that is growth in housing. If you're looking to make a change anywhere in DeSoto County or in the Mid-South, look no further than our presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Reach out to Brian and Terry and their team at Birch Realty Group. They possess over 63 years of combined real estate experience. They've been voted DeSoto's best realtor multiple times. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available to you each and every day. They don't just work on the weekends. They don't work at night because they have a -a 40-hour-a-week job in some other way. They are there to serve their customers each and every day. Whether you are buying or selling a home, call Team Couch at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. 
449-1700. Again, as we were mentioning a second ago, education is important to parents in DeSoto County. If you're looking to move into another school district, looking to move into a, a place that may be better for your child, call Team Couch of Birch Realty Group, our presenting sponsor for 2021. Podcast recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday morning at the How to Barbecue Right Studios. How to Barbecue Right, located right here in Hernando. This store has everything a man needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. They have rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, and also some high-end smokers. If you've ever seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by his shop located just past Connection Gymnastics on the left-hand side on Memphis Street. Got an email yesterday updating us on some things going on at How to Barbecue Right. They wanted us to mention the Super Bowl is coming up. Make sure to stop by Malcolm's shop the Saturday before the Super Bowl to get everything you need to cook wings and ribs. They also have plenty of dip mixes, pickles, and hot sauces too. If you enjoy the grill, enjoy outside cooking, if you enjoy doing that for your friends and family during the Super Bowl, that type stuff, please visit the How to Barbecue Right shop just past Connection Gymnastics or call them at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Or find them on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. That's H2Q Malcolm Shop. I want to thank them again for being our studio sponsor for 2021. Derek had a lot going on since our last show. Tuesday, we had the Board of Alderman meeting. You got some updates on that, some different things. A lot covered in the Hernando Alderman meeting, South Haven Alderman meeting. I'll just go ahead and announce the first one because you forgot the gentleman just the other day. Mr. Russell Jordan was approved as the new planning commissioner for Ward 1. Uh, Natalie Lynch had appointed him or recommended him to the board, and he did get approval. The next item on the agenda the other night was $94,000 loan that the Parks and Rec Department are going to spend on baseball improvements. $94,000. Now, this is a loan. This is, you know, people I think uh, during the meeting uh, came up that the uh, you know how how they get a loan now you know the taxpayers you know having to fund this outside the budget that's not that's not the case uh, this loan uh, was factored into the budget the payments from the loan it'll probably be either a three to a five year loan the payments will come out of the parks department's budget so it's already factored in there so you know they, they may not be able to you know do two thousand dollars on something else per month because they got this note or whatever it happens to be so again uh, don't want the tax you know taxpayers or the listeners to think that they're having to you know, fund something on top of the budget already. This was part of the budget plans for the, the note payment to come out of there. Uh, the $94,000, as we mentioned on Tuesday, is for trench work, grading some fields, for siding some fields, adding dirt to fields. That was passed. Uh, there was, again, there was some discussion on to make sure that it was not going to be something outside the budget, and it was not. The loan, you know, will be paid from the taxes and, again, be out of a three- to five-year note. So, uh, yeah, it was approved, and looking forward to the improvements that will be made for that for uh, this spring season. And they're going to put that out to bid to the different banks, or is that already done? The loan was already in place, sure. and so now it will be put out to the banks, so the banks should be getting an email within the week asking for that. You know, The city will give out the financials, and then the, the banks that choose to bid on that can. It will be a sealed bid process, and then at some point in date in the future, they'll open it up and see what bank got the loan. Exactly. There you go. So, again, it's already in the budget. It's already part of the payments already covered, so uh, not anything to freak out about or see that the Parks and Rec Department's getting $94,000 from nowhere. Um, it's already part of the budget. So, uh, you know, I hope the uh, baseball fields – you and I have talked about it a million times, both on and off air. You know, I'm excited to see what the baseball fields look like. We'll talk a little bit more about those baseball fields here shortly. Uh, something pretty pretty big and makes total sense regarding the baseball fields. But the next thing they talked about, Derek, was the CARES Act. They received $330,000 in November, I believe, from the federal government right. via the state of Mississippi. The alderman had some questions about it in November. We talked about it in December, and uh, they visited a little bit more about it the other night. So they can ask 
asked for an update and kind of, you know, kind of what they could do with the money. This, the reason it came up was this. Part of the CARES Act is, of course, being able to pay for employees that get sick with COVID, having to take leave time, two weeks. I think, you know, now, of course, the CDC says it can be up to 10 days, wait seven days and go get the PCR test. You can then test out of it um, and can come to work then. Or if you choose not to, you can wait 10 days. It used to be 14. But of course, you know, people were having to use their own personal sick time. So the money was originally you know, put out there to allow those people to be paid. Uh, when they had to quarantine. You know, you don't want to have to use your own sick time or use your own leave time for that purpose. And so that's what the money was for. Well, because, that, well mainly because they, they can shut down an entire department of five people. Right. Hey, four, you know, one person gets coronavirus or, or was exposed. The other five have to disappear for 10 days, and, and they need to be covered, and they shouldn't be penalized because of that. Right. And so the, yeah, the, all the sense. cities were, were, you know, had this money set aside to be able to pay for that when that happened through December 31st. It did end in December 31st, so it was up to cities to take that on in order to whether or not they wanted to extend that. And so the city of Hernando had not extended that. If they did not extend it, then people would have to take their own time, sure. um, you know, not be or you know not be paid when they were sick or had to quarantine. And so the city did agree to extend that 90 days till March 31st. Now you may be asking, well, why they only do it three months? I mean, why don't they go ahead and do it six months at a year? The city attorney explained that because of the new administration, the Biden administration coming in, they do expect more relief money. There, we already know about one package that President Biden's talking about: fourteen hundred dollar checks coming to to I guess make up the complete two thousand dollars that was discussed back in December. Uh, several other things coming in the first package, and then there'll probably be another following package after that sometime in March. And so there's a lot of stimulus money that should be coming. Obviously, the municipalities are expecting some of that will will roll to them, and those rules may be easier. They may be looser. And so that they don't want to extend this, I guess, these benefits out too far because then if you have competing benefits, you know, well, if what the, the Biden administration gives in stimulus money or, or help for the cities is better than what the, the Trump administration had done, then you want to want to use theirs and not the one. So they're doing it 90 days at a time to see what this new package looks like for the states, for the cities. And then they'll decide at that time, okay, do we need, you know, so they can extend it again another 90 days at the end of March, or they may send a note, we're shutting this one down. Now we're going to turn to this money. So that's why it was done. And so that out of the whole discussion came, well, what can we use this money for? All right, so let's say at the end of March, they still haven't used it all. You know, the, the money was received in November. What do they do with it? And so one of the uh, Alderman Water 2 brought up again, looking at uh, pay raises. Uh, yeah, he had asked the mayor, which the mayor is still working on, to provide, you know, what can we do? You know, 2% raise. What does that look like? How do we compare to other cities? And so the mayor is still working on that information. A, a concerned citizen stood up, came up to the podium and stood up and said, excuse me, first of all, the Alderman of Ward 4 said, I don't think we can spend that money on anything we want to. It's to recoup only things that are involving COVID-related illnesses, COVID-related time off, COVID-related expenses by the city. The city attorney and some of the other board members said, I don't remember seeing that or, or reading that. Where did you get that from? A concerned citizen came up and then read uh, from the United uh, States Department of the Treasury what the rules were. And I'm going to read here real quickly what she read. Now, she said it ended in December. Uh, that's not technically true yet. It did end in December. However, it was extended with the stimulus that was signed by President Trump on the 28th of December. It was actually extended till December 31st, 2021. But this it says the CARES Act requires that the payments from the coronavirus relief fund only be used to cover expenses that one are necessary expenditures incurred due to the public health emergency with respect to the coronavirus disease in 2019. Two were not accounted for in the budget most recently approved as of March 27, 2020, the date of the enactment of the first CARES Act for the state or government, and three, were incurred during the period that begins on March 
2020 and ends on now, December 31st, 2021. So that's the only three things that the money can be used for. Now, how vague is that? How how direct is that? That's up to you know people a lot, you know, that, that are a lot smarter than I am to try to figure out attorneys and that sort of thing. But that's what she was trying to say. That's what I think the award for Alderman is trying to say. And so they took that under advisement. I think what you heard uh, toward the end of it was that the Alderman of War Two still was pushing for the raises, not necessarily using this money. He still wants to see what that would look like, wants to put us in line with other cities. Basically, what came out of the whole thing was they did take the vote to extend uh, that relief through March 31st uh, for the employees and then kind of tabled everything else until the, the mayor comes up with more information. Just about every meeting, they can look into those things and see where that goes and, and so forth. So if you're not watching on YouTube or Facebook Live, you definitely need to. You know, it's very interesting. I, th- I think there's more views now than, than they've ever had before. But again, thanks for reading that stuff about the CARES Act. Uh, the next thing we we're talking about was uh, changing a portion of land there in Nez- but from AR to R40. Tell us what happened, what, what exactly that means. All right, so AR, now that, those of y'all that are not familiar with zoning, uh, cities, all cities have different zonings. And, you know, AR means agriculture. R40 means there's a certain density per, per acre or heck acre, uh, depending on where you are for the city. That's what this is looking to be done. Now, again, this is not a subdivision approval. This is not an approval for a mini subdivision. All this was was rezoning from one to another. So anybody that's freaking out that something's going in immediately, if that's something you're concerned with, that did not happen uh, on Tuesday night. This was just the the rezoning. What this was looking to do was to take uh, some property on Gwen Road. Now, Gwen Road, this is the one when uh, Pleasant Hill or slash Nesbitt Road goes into the downtown Nesbitt and takes a, a turn to the north. That's, that becomes Gwen Road, so it would be just north of the American Legion building. Uh, and some property in there, between Dean Road and Nesbitt Road, north of the American Legion, there's some property in there that's currently uh, zoned agriculture. Now, what agriculture means is that the lots have to be a minimum of one and a half acres. Not just agricultural land. You can have a house on it, but it has to be a minimum of? One and a half acres or yes. more. Okay. Uh, so now, it, or it could be agricultural land, but right. if you're going to build a sure. house, it has one and a half acres or more. Now, the R40 designation, which the developer was asking for, uh, was to is basically takes it to 1.1 houses per acre or 1.1 lots, excuse me, per acre. Now, it's just under an acre a lot. Basically, it's 40,000 square feet. So, you know, it's very short. So for all intents and purposes, we can say it's an acre a lot. I mean, it's just short of it. So it was not that big of a change. I mean, it was already zoned, could have been built on as a one and a half acre lot. Uh, He's basically subdividing it into uh, one acre lots to be able to fit as many, of course, lots as you want to in there. However, he's not trying to take away from the larger lots. There's some older homes Mm -hmm. uh, in that area, some beautiful homes, and he's not trying to take away from that. He just wants to be able to use the property and try to, of course, he also wants to make some money uh, on it by what he wants to do. Now, they did try to actually start passing around what the houses would look like and start talking minimum square footage, and the alderman shut them down pretty quickly and said, no, no, no. That's not what tonight's about. Sure. We're just we'll get there, not tonight. Right. But we're not. Yeah. So all we're trying to do right now is if, if we're going to vote whether or not we agree with what you're trying to do. Uh, I think you made a pretty good case talking about how there's a kind of a hodgepodge of things around there. Uh, basically, in the city of Hernando itself, there's kind of hodgepodge areas, and and so that he thought that one acre lots would fit. And you know, and so the the uh, aldermen agree with him. They did vote it in. It was changed from agriculture to R40, uh, but that is the only change currently. 
Right. We don't know how many houses that means it's going to be. We don't know anything about the neighborhood development, nothing like that. All it does is say it gives him permission to do, like you said, a house per 1.1 acres. Uh, 1.1 house per acre is, right. is exactly what you said. So, you know, again, some growth in Nesbitt, uh, definitely some some opportunities up there for growth that, that's happening. So good. It was Mr. Ben, right? Is that Ben Smith. What's yeah, Mr. Ben Smith. Was, was it engineer? Was. Well, engineer. Okay, gotcha. Next thing, Derek, a huge thing to come out of Fernando uh, right before Christmas time, right before the holidays, was the changing of the wards, the changing of the, the voting districts. Um, we can rehash that. If you've listened to the show, you know exactly what we're talking about. So in the change of the wards, changing of where you may be voting that type stuff they discussed the other night the changes or possible changes needed to polling locations uh spent quite a bit of time and didn't necessarily make any changes so uh tell me information about that all right so they had a discussion and the the biggest discussion was you know we have a lot more voters uh, than we did you know absolutely eight years ago ten years ago 12 years ago but they're still using the same polling locations and i think last time was a pretty big pretty big race uh you know we did have of course that two people that are currently running for mayor now uh, also ran for mayor uh, four years ago and there was a, a, a huge turnout i mean a huge turnout for a city our size and a lot several of the the larger areas uh, ward three ward five they shared the same fire station uh, right there on holly springs road uh, fire station number three there was a lot of concern about hey people couldn't park they were parking across the street having across holly springs which is dangerous there were some people that saw the number of people just turned and went home and didn't vote and there was a lot of concern about that. And so they started having conversations about, okay, well, you know, we, we use fire station number two. We use fire station number three. We have, you know, three or four locations that have been used. Um, you know, maybe we need to add more. Maybe we need to add larger buildings. And, you know, what can we look to do? So they had round and round discussions. Okay, well, if you do select a new place, you have to give a 30-day reading uh, to allow p- people to uh, oppose it or maybe neighbors to oppose it or, you know, to make sure that the location would accept it. And so there has to be a 30-day wait, uh, waiting time period. Then after the 30-day 30 waiting, 30 waiting time period, then you could have to issue the cards saying, okay, well, now you're in ward this. Here's your new polling location. So those wouldn't go out to the end of February, 1st of March, if they had adopted it on Tuesday. And then after that, they would also be getting a card saying you're in this new ward a lot of confusion, a lot of mailing. I don't know if you've dealt with the mail lately, but it's not the most reliable. We literally received a gift we ordered for Christmas for Lisa's grandmother Tuesday. Oh, she ordered it the first week of December, and we got it Tuesday. A lot of the concerns about the, the mailing and what's happening. So after a lot of discussion, and, and they did, ended up saying, you know what, we don't have time this year. Now, why was this not taken up when the wards were changed? Sure. That's a good question. Why was it not taken up three years ago after the last election when you knew that <laughs> – there was a lot of people crossing streets and turning away. I'm not sure, but it was not done then. Uh, it could not be done now because of the time frame. They were worried that people would be left out, having to go to two or three locations, trying to figure out where to vote. And so they just they said, you know what, they're going to work on traffic flow. Uh, they're going to have the police that day really out in force, making sure, watching locations, making sure that they have to get out in the middle of Holly Springs Road or on 51 in direct traffic, they'll do it. And uh, that's that's kind of the solution they came up to. And But obviously, as soon as the election's over, please, sure. new board, July 1, <laughs> sit down and, and add this to your list of things that need to be looked at. It was a solid 30 minutes of talk, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was 25 to 30 minutes of talking. When it was all said and done, they, they didn't change anything. But I guess I kind of felt like in today's world, social media can kind of assist you with that. If you live here, this is where you're voting. Yeah, I think it's, it's based on the arcane laws of, you know, you have to mail it out. Right. I, I get all that. I just kind of was like, in today's 
probably no better time than now to be able to do social media wise and announcements and that type of stuff. So anyway, so basically polling locations in the city of Hernando are staying the same. Kind of the last thing we'll talk about Hernando Alderman wise, which was very interesting part was the mayor opened the floor for discussions from the, the town, uh, from the townspeople. Mr. Dale Wilson is the owner of the properties behind the Uncle Bubba's restaurant uh, here in Hernando on Memphis Street. Uh, Mr. Dale uh, got up, spoke for a few minutes and, and was very concerned over, uh, you know, I mean, over the, the noise, the, the noise levels coming out of Uncle Bubba's seems to be pretty regularly throughout the week. And so they had a concerned citizen, a lady that actually lives at the first one right there, again, on Memphis Street, right across from Uncle Bubba's. And uh, she definitely made a good case. So what she, you know, this is um, the the three houses, I guess there's three, three, four, four, four houses yeah. right behind there that were been recently built uh, just off Memphis Street. They are, they have a Memphis Street address. The complaint was that uh, that the restaurant was having outdoor music Correct. three to four days a week, including two weekday nights. Correct. I think that she said last week uh, that on Tuesdays and Thursday night, they both had music, both going well after 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And then also, of course, on Friday and Saturday. And her, you know, her issue is, is that, you know, I think she had a she got an app on her phone that can measure measure de- decibel levels. Correct. Uh, she said she recorded it at ninety four. She re- she had actually video. I mean, uh, uh, recorded the music, how loud it was in her bedroom. Played that for the alderman in the meeting. Just a lot of complaints, and and I think that it was more frustration. Uh, she said they had they approached the restaurant. The restaurant didn't really you know, listen to their concerns, and so they were trying to worry about you know what is their. You know, what can they do? Course of action. Was a course of action to try to get this corrected and wanted to see, you know, I, I think they kind of were coming to hope to have the board do an right. ordinance yeah. on Tuesday night, which is, I think we, you know, unfortunately cities don't work that fast Correct. or governments in general don't work that fast. And, and the aldermen were pretty quick to tell her, we cannot solve your problem tonight. Right. Tonight, no. So, but they did give her good advice, and I think this is uh, important for everybody. Now, you know, I don't know where you stand on loud music. I don't know, you know, and, and again, it's been a, a rough year for restaurants, and restaurants are trying to find any way to bring uh, patrons in. So I, I do not, I'm not going to say what they're trying to do is not right. or is not right. Did not go there, was not there on the, on the nights that she complained, but said that it was a five-piece rock band that was playing. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what was put put on the minutes in the uh, in the Alderman meeting. You know, so on Tuesdays and Thursday night, that's a lot. That that's probably extravagant. Again, I'm not Pro- saying may, may should have gone with an acoustic set. Well, acoustic set, you know, <laughs> and, the and they said, let's go acoustic. And I think that you know they talked about, well, why don't you just put the bands inside? Well, I think right the, now we can't. The CDC stuff. is in, you know, right. you don't want people singing inside. You don't want them sure. playing instruments inside because of the COVID. I think there's just a lot of uh, things that you know, if this was a normal year, this may or may not be an issue. Uh, you would hope. Now, what they told her was, this is what you can do. Now, their city, this is important for the listeners to understand, right. does not have a sound ordinance. There is no noise ordinance. For music. For music in the city of Hernando. They only, do for construction. Only for construction. Only construction. Um, so, again, you can play music up to whatever decibel level you want. It's not illegal per the city. Can you play music on a bulldozer? If the music, if it's If, <laughs> if you music, can incorporate a jackhammer into yeah. your song. <laughs> that, that, that's a good question now good if the the bulldozer is making the noise then no if the stereo is making the noise then yes so the village people would have been okay because the guy had the hard hat so he would have been not have a machine. he would have been the only one that would have been covered right the right. hard hat not the indian or the the, the police officer is actually already there yeah he's already there but, but he's actually <laughs> contributing to the to the lab we, look um, we we kid but it's it's a very serious thing that this lady was definitely yeah now, uh, and so there's, there's no noise ordinance uh, in the city of fernando and that's you know I, I i'm gonna be honest i did not did not know that uh, before la- right. before Tuesday night, and so what they said: Look, you, you, there's nothing we can do. However, there is a disturbing the peace rule that is statewide. Uh, right. The state has you know a disturbing the peace. So if somebody is disturbing your peace, 
uh, with loud music in this case, then there is you do have a remedy. Of course, of and this is what they said that they should she should do. Number one, and this is for anybody, you can file a police complaint. The first thing to do is call call the police department and say you want to file a complaint that somebody is disturbing your peace. All right. So the second thing is is you have to go down there and you have to sign an affidavit, and the affidavit says alleges that your peace has been disturbed. And you have to sign it. The policeman cannot fill it out Correct, for you. Yes. And the police chief was there to make sure that that was understood. You have to go down there. You have to sign the affidavit saying this has happened. And then once that's done, then the police actually deliver a summons to the offending party, and um, they have to show up in court. And the offending party is not the five-piece rock band. The offending party is the, the person who's operating the establishment. That's correct. That's, correct. that's yes. right. It's, it's the people that, that the, in this case, it will be the renters uh, of the, the restaurant that is renting of the building in that case. So that is a course of action, and that is, you know, that's what they said. This is what you can do now. The city was quick to say, this sounds like it's becoming an issue. Sure. We've, we've heard this before. It sounded like they had talked to the woman before a couple of times, or maybe the, the, there were actually two or three different households that were there. And they, they talked about it. I, there's a comprehensive plan going on right now. In the comprehensive plan, it, one of the board members, maybe the mayor, said that they, they're trying to establish an entertainment district similar to Silo Square. We've talked about this before okay. for Hernando. And if that's set up, what does that look like? Right. That district Now, the, that district probably would be closer to the square, around the square, because the, the courthouse itself is owned by the county, but the, you know, the outside of the square yeah, is owned sure. by the city. And so maybe it's only limited there. You can have bands to 11 or 12. Maybe after that, it's only 9 or 10 off square or something like that. I have no idea. I'm just kind of speculating. Well, I mean, but, Derek, you and I've we've seen major country acts on the square, but that's a one-time a year. Well, thing. I mean, may, you know, maybe you do deals. okay. Maybe yeah. it's eleven on the weekends, and, you, and people know it's going to happen. Nine you, on you the weekdays, and yet yeah. have a special permit. Correct. Yes. For for anything longer than that or louder than that on a certain night, and you have to give notice, yes. just like you do the big red billboards. Yeah. You know, for neighborhoods or, or you know zoning changes, stuff like that. So anyway. It was a great, I thought it was, I hated that it happened. I could feel for the woman what she's saying. I also understand that the restaurant's trying to make money, trying to bring people course, in. yes. And so, it, you know, this is, you know, seems to be a, I think the band that she mentioned was a band that comes there pretty regularly that seems to draw a good crowd. So, again, it, it's just, it's an unfortunate thing, but I think it opens the city's eyes. But there is a course of action they could take now, and then the city will look at it in the future. You know, Derek, I, I've got some different thoughts about it and, and stuff like that again listen to the lady and the couple of people that were there um when she played the video or play i guess it was video recording from her bedroom that was uh pretty pretty interesting eye-opening to be like wow that was that was pretty loud but again they're forced outside now that type stuff or whatever well and, and the restaurant was there first right the restaurant was there first person yes that is that is correct but look when it's all said the restaurant could have been there for a thousand years right. however if there's an ordinance of, or whatever if it's an issue let's work together to kind of That's fix right. this you know and the restaurant needs to have a say other other civilians oh, sure. need to have a say i mean you know everybody well, needs you, to have you, a you say. mentioned to me uh, all fair you visited with a, a good friend of ours that lives about 400 yards away and you asked him hey can you hear that that music and he said i can't hear every word but absolutely i can hear oh, yeah, that and he yeah. lives 400 yards away yeah he said oh yeah he lives yeah, down the street and down valley street and he yeah he said i can hear the music and i can't imagine it would be pretty loud if you're right behind it right so that's what um, that's kind of how the, me- the, the meeting kind of ended and wrapped up they pointed her in the direction of the different things that she could do i do agree with you i think they kind of showed up expecting to the board to maybe slap some wrists or whatever and kind of say this is what has to happen and that didn't happen so we'll keep you updated on those type things uh, hopefully it's something that we can uh, you know, things can kind of come together. I'm just throwing this idea out here. I own multiple businesses. I think maybe a good good opportunity for a a restaurant owner to walk right across the street and knock on the door and uh, meet his neighbor and, well, and, and talk and visit. And you know, what I'm saying I think that's the way the way to start. And, and look, th- this is going to happen more and more. I mean, you're, you're looking at another building sure. closer to the square that's yep. being renovated right now that could 
potentially have a restaurant with an outdoor area. Uh, you're looking at, I mean, up in Nesbitt. I mean, we're talking about uh, earlier this this uh, residential lots going up there. Well, the downtown Nesbitt is a there's some there's some old buildings there that could really be renovated and made a separate entertainment district up there. I mean, sure. kind of like a Cooper Young or Overton Square area. That's not the heart of the city. Right, but it's another entertainment area within the city of Hernando. I mean, that's owned by the, that's part of the city. So you could redo those, throw a cool restaurant up there, or coffee shop, or a small grocery or something. There's pockets everywhere now. I mean, we, Hernando is, a, is seen as a desired place. Uh, we've got major corners at Gitwell, major corners at Mackinville. You know, and it, we're lacking the infrastructure there right now, but eventually it will come. Growth is going to happen. You know, this is just growing, kind of revitalizing a downtown area and, and, and watching it grow. Let's do it smart, and let's do it together. One of the most talked about things for us whenever people give us compliments on the podcast is our coverage of the Hernando Alderman meetings, South Haven Alderman meetings, which we'll, co- we'll cover in just a, a moment. Um, but just thank you to those who continue to reach out to us and let us know uh, you know, what they like about the show, like about the meetings. Uh, definitely in the last six months, Derek, there's no doubt more people have started to watch the Alderman meetings. Uh, I like to think we have a little something to do with that uh, because we need to pay attention to what's going on in our town, in our city, uh, especially with the different elections coming up over the next uh, five to six months. So turning our attention just north, we're going to go up to South Haven. We're going to scan their Alderman meeting real fast. Pretty simple. I screwed up last time on the Tuesday show. I mentioned the widening of Star Landing uh, that they were looking maybe from 55 all the way over to Getwell. I got that completely wrong. Picture Star Landing that currently runs underneath I-55. It'll be what they're working on or what they're trying to do right now, the county's going to do, is widen it from basically 51 on the left-hand side, on the west side of 55, all the way past where the new National Guard Armory will be built in the next five years. That's right. So the the four lanes going to take place. Basically, if you all know where the the, the railroad track is, that kind of very narrow underpass that was corrected a couple years back. Um, So it's basically from the railroad tracks there all the way to AC Boulevard, which is going to be past the new armory. Of course, the uh, armory moved out of Hernando. uh, It's moving up there into a, a nicer Still uh, there now. It, it's going to take about three years. Right, right, right. right but right. I mean, it, yeah. it's eventually by twenty five. It should be up there. It looks like so. It's going to be great. But the county is is doing the widening of the road right. for the armory, obviously for the trucks that have to go in and out of there. Eventually, Star Landing Road will be four lane. Sure. Eventually, we'll have an exit. That all that we talked about on Tuesday was correct. It's just that the part that's doing now is uh, on the west side of fifty one, and so that was uh, looked at the MOU with the um, with the. The county, so the city said, you know, yes, y'all can go ahead and start. The only thing, and this was the the city attorney wanted to make sure that the alderman understood, the only thing that the city is on the hook for, okay, so county's widening the road. If utilities have to be moved, then the city would be responsible for 25% of that. So if it, you have to move some electrical underwear, underground wire, any sewer, anything that has to be moved because of the widening of the road, city is responsible for 25% of that. That's That amount, of course, is unknown right now. Uh, other than that, the county is covering the cost. So, I mean, you know, that's what they were getting together. Like I said, was it MOU? MOU. MOU. Memorandum of, of Understanding. understanding. Yes. MOU, uh, the county and the, and the city working together, understanding that. So, they're going to get that started. Man, that, that National Guard Armory is going to be the nicest National oh, Guard Armory in the state of Mississippi. It's going to be beautiful. I want to say it's pushing almost $40 million. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous. It's going to be a place, uh, a really nice place up there. Um, you know, something to be very proud of for DeSoto County. Yeah, there, there was talk of a couple other subdivisions, that type of stuff. Continued growth. South Haven continued continues to grow uh, each and every week. It seems like South Haven continues to boom. And it seems like they've been booming since I got here 20 years ago. They just continue to rock and roll. Part of that is leadership. Uh, that's going to be part of the leadership. Darren Musselwhite doing a great job. Since our last show, Mayor Musselwhite has um, announced via Facebook that he will be seeking re-election 
to be the South Haven mayor again. Uh, I like to think he kind of announced it on this show about four months ago, but uh, he officially made it. Uh, he had made it official via Facebook that he will be seeking re-election. I think Mayor Musselwhite does a pretty good job. Be interesting to see who might run against him. Every meeting he has a mayor's report, and uh, Derek, give us a little bit of stuff that came out of the mayor's report from last Tuesday. Yeah, and real quick before that, I wanted to, uh, to make sure one of the other things that came out was is that the Decrua Commissioner. Uh, I hope that everybody understands what Decrua is. If you do not, if you live in the county, uh, and you are not, if you don't have a septic tank, if you are on sewer, you really need to educate yourself on what Decrua is. Decrua is a DeSoto County Regional Utility Authority, and they are responsible for the sewer uh, for the entire county. We do not have city sewer. All the sewer is tied into Decrua, uh, and so when you get your water bill. If you wonder what that larger charge is for Decrua, uh, that is you paying back the city for the city's portion of uh, the county waste system. Uh, so the city is basically charged a certain amount. They basically divide it up per household. Uh, based, it's based on the usage uh, of your, your water and your sewer that you use at your household, uh, and that's how they come up with that number every month. So, again, uh, their Decrua, each city gets a commissioner. Uh, there's five commissioners, and then the county gets two. So five cities plus the two counties, seven commissioner board. Uh, they, you know, they, they make a lot of decisions on how uh, the sewers run. Now, our sewer system is considered one of the best in the state. Uh, and there's, it's, there's some models been done off of it, and they do a really good job being able to reach out. Uh, but we do pay for it. The South Haven changed their decrua commissioner. It was Donnie Chambliss, uh, and now they've gone to Chris Wilson, who's also the city administrator for the city of South Haven. He was named the new decrua commissioner for South Haven uh, for the next four years. Another thing that came out in the, uh, as you mentioned, the mayor's report, the city of South Haven is putting signs, beautiful welcome signs in different parts of their, of their city to make sure that they distinguish themselves from other parts of, from Olive Branch, from Hernando, as we start going, you know, DeSoto County seems like one large town. South Haven wants to make sure you know when you're in South Haven. Uh, you may have seen some of these uh, on the interstate. Just north of Star Landing Road, there's a beautiful brick sign that says South Haven. Uh, and then they've also got one um, as you're They've got one coming if you're going west on Goodman right. as you cross out of Olive Branch or right, right Malone Road Correct. right there. So that's their second one. Well, the third one now is going to be at Getwell and State Line Road. So the mayor reported that that's been put out to bid. Uh, the the uh, alderman put that out to bid. That the So they're looking at next kind of nice brick sign. The uh, homeowner that's in that area donated some land. It's going to kind of sit up on the, slightly on a hill. So as you're coming south from Memphis on Getwell right before you get to Line Road, There'll be a nice new city sign, city of South Haven sign. That'll be the next location for their yeah. sign. I like the idea of that. Just, I mean, like you said, the, the Soto County can really kind of run together sometimes. So uh, good for them to let you know exactly what town you're coming into and stuff like that. So that, and I, I think they're going to put them at multiple thoroughfares. That's that's this is number three and in, in, in many more. So a uh, pretty neat idea to uh, distinguish that. And then you know, I think I would assume that they may have something South Haven. It may say South Haven or something like that on their their beautiful walk bridge. That's going to happen. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll yeah put something exactly. there. Uh, or may, it may say May Boulevard. I think it's going to have the street name on one side, sure. May Boulevard, and then something South Haven. Right. Uh, speaking of pictures uh, that we've seen, the fire station number five, uh, the mayor talked about that. The renderings have been done. If you want to go to the City City website and find that, uh, it's going to have two front doors. If, you, if you've ever gone on uh, Get Well, heading west on Star Landing Road, there's a bad curve that goes to the right. That's where the new fire station will sit. And it'll be the, the fifth one. They do expect to get a fire code rating of two, working their way to one. We've talked about that before, but the renderings are out now if you want to see that. And then the last thing that he really pushed, uh, the most of his mayor's talk, was about, Matt, how do you feel about getting stuck in the arm? Are you ready to get stuck in the arm? <laughs> uh, he, the mayor is adamant, 
adamant that we get everybody in this county vaccinated as soon as possible. So what you're joking about is the fact that the mayor's adamant we need to increase the number of vaccines happening daily, happening weekly in DeSoto County. You make that joke because several times in his report, he, he, want, said, he says, stick them in the arm. We, we need <laughs> – he, look, he and I, you know, it's kind of funny. When he was he was fired up, and right. I was, I'm glad he was fired up. But right now, we're serving about 200 people a day at the the Hernando Health Department. Is that the only place? Is that the only place, Desoto County, you can get a vaccine? Yes, at this time publicly. Yes, you're like, telling me in this county, all we're doing is 200 a day. 200 a day. That is unbelievable. So they're now they're they're moving that location. Now this is not the private offices sure. and stuff uh, like yeah, that. Of course, this is yeah. just if you can go to your own private doctor and they can get them and you can get it then. But publicly, you know, yes. for public health, yeah. the the only location is is the public health department in Hernando. They're now moving that to Lander Center. Uh, so they're hoping to go from 200 a day to a thousand a day. The mayor would like to see it two thousand a day. I and agree. as he said, he wants as many people deployed. If we need to pay his police officers to go up there and get it done, he wants people stuck in the arm. Uh, you know, because I think at 200 a day, he said it take almost three years to get the whole county vaccinated. At a thousand a day, you can do the math. That's about 200 days uh, if we're doing a thousand a day uh, to get DeSoto County vaccinated, which is obviously less than a year, right sure. at a year of business days, I guess. That's what he wants. He wants this done. Let's do it in six months. Let's, by August, but when school starts, everybody should be vaccinated. Really big push. You know, it's really excited about moving to the Lander Center, but at the same time, you know, is letting the public know whatever you need from the city of South Haven to help get this done, he will offer it. Again, I say all the time, Mayor Musselwhite continues to be aggressive and, 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 and be show some pretty amazing leadership qualities, and I definitely agree with him. If we have a parking lot the size of Lander Center, or if we have those abilities uh, to happen, it makes total sense. I, I definitely like it. I did pass by Baptist Hospital yesterday. No one in line to get COVID tested. That's no good. one was getting tested. Now, it may be shut down. I don't know, but what I'm saying is what I was used to seeing, cars wrapped right. around the block. No one was in line. For all I know, it's been closed down. I don't know, but what I'm saying is the cones were still there, the signs were still there, and there were no cars cars in line. So, you know, interesting. You well, know? I think, you know, a lot of the med places now, I know you can get sure. reservations here in Hernando at Red Med, at the First Family right. uh, Medical Center and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, maybe they got a better handle on it. Maybe less people are getting tested now because, unfortunately, a lot of people have had it. <laughs> but, uh, again <laughs> – you know, I think that uh, I think it's going good, and and love. I do appreciate the cities putting it out there, allowing us to watch it. It would be really, really, really hard for us to cover this if they didn't. Oh sure. Uh, so we do appreciate them uh, putting it on YouTube, putting it on their uh, on their different web pages. Uh, and so again, we as we do twice a month, we do encourage you to go find it. Uh, Hernando's is on YouTube. Just type in City of Hernando and the City of South Haven. You go to the web page, go under government, go to uh, Board of Aldermen, click on Live Meetings, and it's right there. So stick them in the arm. May or may not be Mayor Musselwhite's uh, campaign slogan. <laughs> it, it <laughs> we're not, will, we're not will, announcing that here. It will be in the spring. Uh, he'll he'll be really pushing it, but probably has a different slogan for the actual campaign. Well, I mean, part of vaccinations, part of all those different things, COVID testing is to get things open back up. And if you're ready to travel when we get things open back up, please reach out to Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. Reach them at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Your local State Farm provider is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, longtown Hernando resident and former alderman for the city. They're located at 11 West Commerce Street in Hernando. 
Their team has 118 years of insurance experience providing your insurance for auto, home, business, and life. They will help you manage the risk of your everyday life. Please call, email, or stop by the agency and see any of their licensed team members and compare their coverage, service, and price to any other agent out there. Man, and also, I don't know if you know this, if you go on Sam's personal webpage, uh, Facebook page, excuse me, he is competing with us very closely for DeSoto County Facts of the Week. He's got some unbelievable old photos, asked people to comment, hey, you know, do you know where this is from or do you recognize this store? Right. Uh, so it does a real good job and has a real good Q&A. Uh, he's got a lot of facts about uh, some of the old structures of Hernando and that sort of thing. So I appreciate him doing that also. Did I see him promise a uh, visit from Aaron Rodgers for State Farm the other day? Oh, that would that would probably beat us. That yeah, that would beat us. That would absolutely be. If he could do that, I, I might. You know, I could. He didn't need to do this, right? No. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if he could do that, he's. If you got Aaron Rodgers, you do not need Derek reading your ass. No, but I mean, again, uh, he's just a, a great uh, asset to the community. And again, Auditor Insurance Agency. If you need to contact them, reach them at six six two four two nine five two one three. You can go to their their Facebook website, Lauderdale Insurance Agency Inc. Or the website, samlauderdale.net. Nobody cares about Hernando or loves Hernando more than Sam Lauderdale, for sure. So thank you again, Mr. Sam, for believing in us uh, each and every week here on the UTW Podcast. Derek, another conversation I had with one of our advertisers, Richard Williams, was telling me about a, a job he received or he had got from the UTW Podcast. So, Richard, congratulations on that. We hope we can be a big part of the future for you at Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Starting the year, Richard continues to ask me to remind the UTW podcast listeners about their fencing services. Whether it's a new fence, fence repair, gate repair, any of those things dealing with fencing, please reach out to Richard at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855 or williamslawnmaintenance.com. That's williamslawnmaintenance.com. Remember to look Richard up for leaf removal. We have a lot of stuff going on. Richard's going to sit down with us sometime pretty soon, talk about spring, talk about your yard, talk about landscaping, all that type stuff. So it's going to be an interesting show coming up in the next couple of months. It's that time of year where you start thinking about your yard going into April and May for the spring season. Thank you, Richard, for continuing to believe in us. Hey, Derek, we're going to turn our attention now. Uh, we've covered a ton of stuff in Hernando, a ton of stuff in South Haven locally. We're going to turn our attention to breeze through some stuff going on in the state of Mississippi. Probably the biggest thing to come out, a lot of people, like we talked about on Wednesday, sat down with counselors. We talked about education. One of the biggest things coming out right now, the state of Mississippi Senate has passed a $1,000 a year raise for the teachers in the state of Mississippi. I know that's a big deal. A lot of our listeners are teachers. A lot of our listeners are married to teachers or involved in something with education. So that's a big deal, Derek, uh, an opportunity for them to make more money. It's passed the Senate and now goes to the House. Now the House did make, the uh, Speaker of the House did make a comment that would not take it up until later in the session because they want to make sure, you know, we talked about the state uh, budget being up 8% year over year for the first six months uh, of the, the state year, which again runs July 1st to June 30th. Um, so he wants to make sure that those projections still hold strong. Uh, and then they, they'll look at it toward the end of the session, which middle to end of March. Uh, so you probably you might not hear anything about it uh, in the next you know, few weeks. But the Senate did pass it, a $1,000 pay raise, starting you know teachers at $37,000. When they asked Mayor Musselwhite about the pay raise, he said it would be a shot in the arm. Stick him in the arm. <laughs> Something else, Derek, which makes total sense over the last year, uh, what we're about to say. The state of Mississippi 
alcohol tax revenue is up 30%, which makes absolute sense because uh, basically March 1st, we all know kind of what happened uh, mid-March, a lot of shutdowns, uh, t- telling you to stay home, and uh, maybe some men and women or some housewives uh, started to uh, to enjoy the alcohol in Mississippi a, a bit more. Again, the House Speaker's watching the, the projections. Something really helping the projections sure. is the fact that the state has collected $53.1 million in taxes on liquor and wine uh, which is, as you said, 30% increase over the six months from the prior year. The fiscal year starts July 1 through June 31. Right. So July 1st Correct. of 2020 right. to December 31st of 2020, 30% increase over July 1st to December 31st of 2019. I mean, and that's $15 million. It's $15 million yeah. extra dollars for the state of Mississippi to do something because with. Because people are home and, and finding different ways to partake uh, in different libations. So, yes. And i got to tell you, Derek, that, that – that's really surprising. There, there was no tailgating in Oxford, Starkville, Hattiesburg, no. those places. This that, is, that is all really, at home. I mean, people, you know, just uh, you know, excuses to have parties. Yeah. July one through the end of the year, way less than. You know, well, weddings. I think what you're seeing is that people are not able to do those things. Correct. So they're having to go to the liquor store, right. and instead of buying one drink, they're buying a bottle. Exactly. You know, they're, instead of maybe okay, I'm having two drinks and I'm done. I'm gonna drink water and then you know drive home later on. Well, now I'm having two bottles because I can sit at home, I'm not have to go anywhere. And I think that's a lot of that. I, you know, hopefully this is just because we're at home and we're, again, having a glass before we go to bed maybe, if that's what you want to do. Hopefully it's not leading to other problems later on for those families or, or something like that. But, again, I thought it was very interesting. And I, I think I read also that you know most of the increases that you're seeing uh, in, in a lot of the, the tax revenue for not just for state of Mississippi but just around the nation are is liquor home gyms people spending money on home gyms and groceries those are like the, the largest increases in different I guess commodities that people are buying or, or, or I guess household goods uh, so you know it, it is interesting but the, the fact that the state put that out just kind of shows you unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you view alcohol you know where people's money is going during this time yeah i mean this is very tacky of me just being a consumer i I, at this particular time i i definitely don't have a lot of sad feelings for the krogers and the walmarts and the mathematically you can't no they're going very well yeah record years let me close everybody else down but we can stay open type situation that's a whole other story we can go Derek. something else the mda the mississippi development authority has a new leader leader I know that's a big deal for DeSoto County because we have we're heavily involved in that DeSoto County growth. Uh, Mr. John Roundsville is now the leader of that. Has been an interim for a while. Tell us about him. All right, so he's been an interim director since I believe May. He was named in May by Governor Reeves as the interim director uh, when the former director stepped down. And but he has now made the I guess the formal. Uh, he's now the going to be the director for the the MDA. MDA. If those of y'all that don't know, it's a very powerful department uh, in the state uh, a lot of the tourism stuff a lot of the uh, obviously the the mississippi development i mean any kind of economic development you have going on they have a, a large hand in trying to attract businesses to the state uh, and if they do come to the state or they come to our area to desoto county of course jim flanagan uh, at the uh, economic council the council for desoto county uh, he's very involved with them he you know that's his main contacts so i'll come up here to meet with large corporations that are trying to move to desoto county so again doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's not like it's a, a direct, somebody you'll see every day, a direct uh, contact with DeSoto County, but he can make big decisions for the state. Uh, his department does wonderful things for the state, uh, very powerful. And so somebody that we do want on our side, 
uh, and that you know that Jim Flanagan, who you know is a, a great ambassador for our county, does work with. So I think it's something that very important that people know who he is. Well, DeSoto County continues to boom as, as far as in the state of Mississippi. DeSoto County is one of the fastest growing, fastest moving counties in the state. So whoever is in charge of our development, in charge of our uh, development authority in the state of Mississippi, is a big deal. So we've got a new one. He's been an interim for a while. I did read a few things and stuff. So I think he's going to be a good asset. Speaking of a good asset, Derek, DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower for multiple decades. With over 60 years of combined dental experience, Dr. Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants, implant-supported dentures, and Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. Visit their office today to see the difference or reach them at 662-429-5239. That's 662 662- 429-5239 to experience the difference at DeSoto Family Dental Care. North Point Christian School is excited about starting the second semester. They welcomed 17 new students in grades PK through 12 that just couldn't wait for next fall and have joined the North Point family at the opening of the spring semester. Over the last couple of months, NCS has encouraged parents, families, and students interested in North Point to come see them at their safe and socially distanced preview the point open house events. Many have taken them up on their invitations to campus and observed directly how North Point upholds the strictest health and safety guidelines while maintaining continuity and learning excellence both online and in person. If you're interested in learning more about North Point and how this amazing school community might serve your student, they have their next preview the point open house this Sunday, January 24th at 2 p.m. Reservations are required and can be made by calling Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Again, it's this Sunday, January 24th at 2 p.m. Reservations are required. Please call Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Thank you to Lauderdale Insurance Agency, Magical Destinations, Williams Lawn Services, DeSoto Family Dental Care, North Point Christian School, and certainly Team Couch of Birch Realty Group and How to Barbecue Right Shop for working with us and continuing to believe in the UTW podcast. Derek, I teased it a little while ago. I mentioned something about the ball fields when we were talking about the $94,000 loan. Uh, the ball fields, the $94,000 is to improve the ball fields, drainage, sodding, all that kind of stuff. So they are aggressively trying to uh, keep the fields nice and keep the fields as nice as they can. So the ball fields have been closed since December 21st. And actually, Derek, this is something that they've agreed to. They're going to start to do each year because what happens is, is people use the baseball fields, you know, for the weeks and months prior to leading up to practice, leading up to the uh, the, the season, and it definitely affects the baseball field. So this is something they're going to start to do when baseball season for the fall is over. The fields will be closed mm-hmm. until the spring season. So that's something I think I think it's warranted, especially if they're going to spend all this money to make the fields nicer. During the, the 2020 year, they had numerous compliments on the the improvements they've made to the field. However, they've had they had incidences of motorized vehicles driving on the fields. Uh, they've had people going out there just digging ruts. People going out there, you know, with the best intentions, trying to practice and stuff, end up tearing up the fields worse than they have been. Uh, there were metal detectors, people digging holes in the ground with metal detectors, just all kind of th- crazy stuff going on. Uh, and so, what they've decided to do is that, is, as you said, close the fields. Yes. And so they will stop, um, the, you know, the maintenance. 
that they're getting ready to do this maintenance. And so the fields have been locked since the December 21st date, and they'll continue that until the spring baseball season begins. They'll establish a date in order they'll have to open up for practice. Once that happens, and of course, they'll be open throughout the season. As you said, going forward, end of the fall season until the beginning of the spring season, they will be closed from now on for both winter maintenance. They'll spray it. Uh, they'll reside anything they need to every year. Uh, you know, right now this loan they're getting is, of course, patching up major areas. Hopefully, going forward, it'll just be you know minor improvements each year to kind of keep the fields up. Whenever you told me about the changes or uh, off air, I was a little bit surprised that they 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 weren't closed a little bit more aggressively. So people will stay off of them. We can have nicer fields here in Hernando for sure. Speaking of baseball, the Parks and Rec Department has opened up baseball registration. If your child wants to play or you want to register your child for t-ball, all the way up to thirteen and fourteen or, or whatever, um, it is is available uh, now. You are able to sign up at the Parks and Rec Department. The baseball rec season is signed up now, coming up for the spring. So it's a good deal. All the way through February 19th. Uh, it's $90 for DeSoto County residents. This is for baseball, softball, or t-ball. $90 a player for DeSoto County residents. $110 for non-residents. Of course, for t-ball, it's $60 for the DeSoto County resident and $80 for the non-residents. Again, this is through February 19th. The practices and, of course, the fields uh, will be back open and practices will start in March and the season will go from April to June. Something else, Derek, before we turn our attention to basketball and some scores from last Tuesday, uh, Calvin Dockery Jr., a multi-sport player at Center Hill, has signed a junior college uh, scholarship, signed on to play football at Itawamba Community College at ICC. Just want to say congratulations to him, Derek. You and I look about two or three times a week at the different DeSoto County news uh, newspaper trying to see about signings. We will always continue to brag about kids getting their college paid. So Calvin, good luck to you in the junior college ranks. Uh, State of Mississippi has some really good junior college football, so uh, if he's been signed to play anywhere, he's definitely a difference maker on the high school uh, field. So congratulations Calvin for all your success. Derek, turning our attention to the round ball, turning our attention to what's going on on the courts here in DeSoto County since our last show on Tuesday. Uh, had some games on Tuesday night, so tell us about them. We had some games on Tuesday night. We also had some games last night, Thursday. However, uh, there was a couple homecomings involved and so i'm going to use that if, if i hope the listeners don't mind we're going to report on that on tuesday uh we're going to kind of because i think there was uh, as i said two homecoming games one of them being hernando they had their winter court last night so we want to make sure we give proper uh you know the, the show is already kind of running uh, at the hour mark and so we want to make sure that we uh give proper you know discussion of that uh so we'll, we'll say that for tuesday but yeah so starting off uh for the uh, these Tuesday games, this past Tuesday games, uh, the Lake Cormorant Gators played Hernando Tigers. Uh, the Lake Cormorant won 57 to 37. Hernando boys are really struggling this year. This is this is the boys recovering first. They're struggling. Uh, this was not a district game. Obviously, this is a 5A team versus a 6A team. Uh, but Lake Cormorant, they now go to 11 and 6 with a 1 and 2 district record. Hernando falls to 7 and 12 with an 0 and 2 district record. And Lake, Lake Cormorant's one of the teams that had their homecoming last night. So again, we'll cover them on Tuesday. Next, Center Hill. 79, M-A-H-S, 53. Uh, M-A-H-S, if you remember, this is the team that beat North Point a couple weeks ago, kind of made up of AAU team, basically, that's playing with city kids whose, whose schools aren't playing. They kind of put a group together. Uh, the Basically, it's a, it's a homeschool-associated team. Center Hill, really good win, 79, 53. Uh, this is their eighth straight win. Mustangs are on an eighth-game winning streak. Zandon Harrelson, 25 points. Calvin Dockery had 16 points. There you there go, Calvin. Right there, Calvin. New ICC 
uh, Indian. Caden Laws had 13 points. Center Hill improves their record for 15 and 8, 3 and 0 in district. Obviously, this is not a district game. MAHS is out of Memphis, uh, but they're 15 and 8 and at the top of the table in the uh, uh, Region 1 5A at 3 and 0. Simple math. Their record now is 15 and 8, which means at one point they were 7 and 8. Uh, rattled off eight straight wins, so they are playing the best basketball uh, from a boys standpoint in the the county. So congratulations to the Center Hill oh, Mustangs. They, yeah, they're very strong. Next, uh, Lewisburg. Now we, you know, we Lewisburg. Yeah, got they the got first their first district. district Make that two. Oh, make that two in a row make for the Patriots. Make that two in a row. Patriots, oh, 77, wow. South Panola, 63. Uh, why, are, why are the other teams even getting on the court with, with Lewisburg right I now? I mean, I mean crown the district fire. champion. I mean, can, can, exactly. we get, can we get a Center Hill-Lewisburg game again right now? Can we do that? Uh, Max I, don't, I don't know if Lewisburg will say <laughs> Max Zisman led the Patriots with 14 points and five rebounds. Joe Nelson had 13 points. Eli Lamb had 11 points and 10 rebounds. And Logan Coker had 10 points and four assists. Uh, the Patriots are now 11 and 10 and 2 and 1 in district. So congratulations to them on their second win uh, in district. Now going to 2 and 1. Next, North Point, uh, they played Westminster, Westminster Academy. This is a district game. North Point won 75 to 43. They were led by Christian Gillian with 20 points. Mitchell Wright had 17, and Darius Naylor had 15. Uh, this brings the Trojans' record now to eight and five, and of course, this is their second district game. They're now one and one in district. Yeah, Westminster was a bit outmanned in that one, seventy-five forty-two. Yeah, yeah. Westminster's <laughs> a smaller school up there on Ridgeway Road. So, so the last game in the county, Olive Branch seventy-eight, Tupelo seventy-six, double overtime win. Wow, double overtime win. Tupelo hit a three at the buzzer uh, at the, of the first overtime to make it seventy-one seventy-one. Now I'm following Olive Branch, and fortunately, it was not keeping their Twitter up. I'm following. Right on Tupelo's Twitter. Right. I'm having to read their Twitter. So they go all excited. They hit the three at the buzzer. They send it to second overtime only to get outscored hmm. seven to five. So they do get the loss. Congratulations to the Conquistadors. Great win. 78-76 over a district. That is a district game. Uh, so Olive Branch improves to eight and eight. Remember, they had a two weeks there. They were on sure. COVID. Uh, they now improved to 8-8, eight 2-0 eight, and oh in district. So congratulations to them. Absolutely. Playing some good basketball there. Again, I've said it numerous times. Your overall record does not matter anymore. It's all about district and what you're doing right now. So congratulations to Olive Branch. Continue to roll. Moving to the girls. On the girls' side, we're going to start under the water tower. Now, Wait, under- let me guess. Win. It's a win. Yes. Uh, they play the late Cormorant Gators. Remember, these are sure. the same teams the boys play. Usually the girls play. Leading scorer named Abby. Her name was Abby. There Abby you. Harrison uh, had 28 points. 28, 28 points. 28 points for wow. the Tigers, the Lady Tigers. They are also on an eight-game winning streak. Oh, okay. So they're the hottest – Center Hill yeah, hottest boys team, yeah. hottest girls team. Not talking about looks. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, you, can't, you can't really say hottest girls can't team. can't say hottest girls team. Girls are playing the best right now, right, are the go. Hernando Tigers, uh, on an eight-game winning streak. They are now 16-4. and four, Wow. 16-4, and 2-0. Oh, hosted, again, Oxford last night for the homecoming. We'll discuss that on Tuesday. Uh, Lake Cormorant falls to 3-13. and 13. Oh, that, That's right. Remember we said if you have 10 more losses, then they're right there. Okay. One more loss, Lake Cormorant no longer gets mentioned. Well, look, they're 0-4 <laughs> in district. This is obviously not a district game. But they're 0-4 yes. in district. Yes. Their coach, Coach Neely, said that as part of the effort – that he thinks that the girls are improving. Right. You know, I don't want to cut them off yet. We're gonna see what happens next week. They are at the ten game. They are ten games below five hundred. I don't want to cut them off yet. I got you. I, we won't do that. We're we're proud of those kids. And they're typically when your coach finishes the interview with proud of the girls, they continue the effort. <laughs> Hey, it's a rebuilding year. It's a rebuilding year for the Gators. Look, yeah, exactly. yeah, it is. It is. I mean, we, we, look, two years from now, I'm sure they'll okay, be 4-0. Two yeah. years from now, I'm sure they'll be 4-0. Uh, next game, Center Hill 
St. Agnes. St. Agnes out of Memphis wins 58-54 over the Lady Mustangs in overtime. You know, just a tough loss for the Lady Mustangs after the, 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 good, the good guys win. Hope Miller led the Lady Mustangs with 13 points. Jira Rankins with 10 and Kylie Prentice with 9. Uh, the Lady Mustangs are now 9-13, and 1-2 and two in district. Obviously not a district game, so they, they remain 1-2 and two in district but fall to 9-13 and 13 overall. Next, we go to Lewisburg, South Panola, 76, Lewis, Lewisburg, Lady Patriots, Patriots 40. Not, a, I don't have the information. a 36-point loss. Yeah, all, all I got from the from Twitter and from both accounts was just a score. Yeah. So, uh, Lewisburg, Lady Patriots fall to 10-12, 0-4 in district. 0-4 in district, so that was a district game. Uh, next one, North Point, Lady Trojans, 58, Westminster, 23. Leah Jones led with 22 points. Brawley Faith Cherry, 16, and Izzy Best Carlson. Best name in DeSoto team. County. Best name in DeSoto County. Their record improved to 10-3, and 2-0 in district. That was a district game. And, Matt, I wanted to leave this one for last. Best game. Now, you can say there was an overtime game. There was an Olive Branch boys game, which we talked about. That was the best game. Double overtime win over Tupelo. Mm-hmm. Olive Branch girls did not play Tupelo. Olive Branch stepped up their game. The number one team in the state. Correct. They played the number one team in the state. The Meridian Lady Wildcats. Olive Branch. 66, All Branch number three, Meridian Lady Wildcats 55. All Branch comes away with a 51, I mean, excuse me, 11 point victory. You could say it's an upset, three versus one, with All Branch being the defending state champions. Yeah, don't which, know how uh, how yes. much of an upset it really was. You know, the Meridian, now this is a team that lost to, in the semifinals last year to Clinton, who All Branch ended up beating in the finals. So Meridian should have seen it coming. Uh, maybe they didn't, but great win by the Lady uh, Conquistadors. Uh, they were led by Edison Howell, uh, Addison Howell, excuse me, with 22 points. Rima Piggies had 15. Amaya Black had 10, and that pushes their record now to 13 and one overall and two and one in district. So, congratulations to the Lady Conquistadors. I kind of like the idea that Hernando and Ala Branch are not in the same district this year. You see what I'm saying? I mean, so maybe the best two teams in North Mississippi, possibly, you know, Hernando, you know, in, in their district on the on the left side, Olive Branch on the right side is very interesting. So I, I would be, that would be a fantastic. Yeah, let me know if that game's semifinal. coming up. Oh, it would be. Oh, it'll, it'll be there. Yeah, we'll no, see. They'll, they, they'll, they'll I'm thinking about other teams that are playing. Now, Tupelo, the, the Tupelo girls team, of course, they gave Olive Branch their only loss. So they're obviously tough. They'll be there. But I would love to see. Love to see that matchup in the well. If, if it's not scheduled, we, we might. This might be a grudge match. We might. Uh, we might get this down. Get yeah, this, this, done. this might be one of the ones where you know the <laughs> under the water tower podcast goes to the game, right. gets get some sound bites. What we're gonna do here? There you go. Exactly. We'll meet over at the uh, Hernando Methods gym and mix it up. You <laughs> know, mix it up with them. Congratulations to the men and women continue to play basketball. We say it every single weekend. You are playing basketball. Enjoy it with your friends. Enjoy it with your teammates. You know, and have some fun. Uh, congratulations to y'all because there's thousands of kids that would kill for the opportunity to be playing basketball. So please. Please remember that each and every week. Same thing for the parents. Be, be appreciative of what the DeSoto County administrators and the DeSoto County coaches and principals are putting together for our kids. So we say thank you to them. If you enjoy what you hear each and every Friday and Tuesday morning uh, on the UTW Podcast, please find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Facebook. On Instagram at UTW Podcast. And on Twitter at UTW Pod, very simple, UTW Pod on Twitter. Most importantly, subscribe wherever you hear our voices. Go to your Spotify, Apple Music, anything like that. Wherever you listen to our podcast, please hit subscribe so we'll continue to grow our listeners. And you'll know the great shows we put out each and every Tuesday and Friday. And in the spring, we'll have a Wednesday show each and every week. So we're, we're working hard to uh, grow our listeners, but mainly we're trying to put out information, things that people enjoy. So we thank you so much for the continued sponsorships. We, we thank you for your continued support. We thank you for allowing us to continue to do this each and every week. And we, if you'd like more information about our show, if you'd like more information about advertising with us, reach 
reach out to us at under the water tower info at gmail.com. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com. If there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl. Same grade as me. Tried to kiss her once.